everybody, and welcome back to Team Titans Wasteland. I'm Hub, and I'll be guiding you through the early portions of this show. And have we got a show for you. Have we? Yes. Objectively, we have. Here it is. I'll get started, uh... Oh, what the heck. Now. Synopsis. Team Titans number two, March 1966. Written by Bob Haney. Drotted by Nick Carty. Team Titan roll call. Aqualad. Robin. Kid Flash, Wonder Girl. The Teen Titans are relaxing in their secret clubhouse. Wonder Girl implores her teammates to do the frug with her, but they are otherwise engaged with activities of their own. Aqualad is reading a story. Kid Flash is super speed hacky sacking while sitting in a beanbag chair. I guess they hadn't invented devil sticks yet. And Robin is being a self-important asshole. They take some time out of their busy schedules to laugh at their fan mail when they receive an emergency call from a teenaged girl named Peggy in Smedleyville, USA. It seems that a few weeks ago, a new student showed up at Smedleyville High. His name was Garn. He dressed like a dork and talked like Frankenstein's monster, so naturally, Peggy was smitten. Garn took Peggy home to meet his dad, an old farmer who was lying under a tree. Garn's dad told Peggy that he wasn't really Garn's father. Then he died. Peggy tried to cheer Garn up by teaching him some cool slang words, which worked like a charm. Unfortunately, Smedleyville had bigger problems than a bereaved teenager with an incomplete grasp of the vernacular, because a few nights later, an enormous caveman started destroying cars with his magical axe. The cops chase the giant caveman into, naturally, a cave, where he takes advantage of his natural habitat, throws a bunch of stalactites at his pursuers, and storms off towards the town. The police are about to give chase when they notice that Garn is hanging around in the cave as well. Assuming Garn is in cahoots with a car-crunching menace, the police attempt to apprehend him, but Garn displays an ape-like agility which, coupled with the general incompetence of the Smedleyville PD, allows him to escape. Now the whole town is out looking for both Garn and the giant caveman, and Peggy is worried that Garn will get shot and her vocabulary lessons will have been for naught. But don't worry, Peggy. The Teen Titans agree to take the case. The next day on the school bus... Peggy's classmates try to keep her spirits up by doing hilarious Garn impressions. Okay, they're being assholes and making fun of her possibly Neanderthal, possibly about-to-be-shot boyfriend. The teenage hijinks are interrupted when the giant caveman attacks the bus. He's about to smash the vehicle with his aforementioned magic axe when Garn shows up, dressed in a fur loincloth, and attacks the caveman whose name we learn is Akuru. Akuru throws his axe and is about to hit Peggy when the Titans show up. Wonder Girl lassos the axe and drags it away for a while, but its caveman magic proves too strong even for her Amazonian might. The axe escapes and bashes up the Titan's helicopter real good. Our heroes manage to escape with Garn back to the cave, where he fills them in on some backstory. Turns out Akuru has been an asshole for a while. He and Garn were cavemen together back in the day when Akuru used his magic axe to destroy Garn's whole cave village. Garn was seeking vengeance when an eruption covered them with clay and ice. You know, like eruptions do. Then a few weeks ago, Garn woke up with amnesia. His foster father found him and told him to go to school. When Akuru woke up too, Garn's memory came back. Robin does a little bit of quick math and determines, based on absolutely nothing, that Garn is about a million years old. One million. Rad. The gang goes out looking for old Akuru, who is remarkably spry for a million-year-old. They fight him for a bit, and everyone's about to fall off a cliff, but Wonder Girl ties her hair to a tree to keep the Titans aloft somehow, which is both clever and super impractical, and possibly masochistic. Aqualad and Garn go underwater to punch Akuru, which goes pretty well insofar as they manage to knock him out, and presumably drown him, but pretty badly in that they manage to destroy a dam that's been keeping Smedleyville from flooding. Fortunately, Kid Flash is Kid Flash, so he digs some canals at super speed which protects Smedleyville and irrigates the desert surrounding it. 
The townspeople show up and are about to lynch Garn, but Robin tells them not to, so they don't. Hooray! Garn says he just wants to be a regular teenager now, which everyone seems to think is a swell idea. The Titans return to their secret clubhouse and laugh at some more of their fan mail. Hooray! End synopsis. And we're back. Joining us once again is my brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. Hey, everybody. And we have two other guests this time. One is a returning guest from last week. We once again have the Knob Creek Single Barrel, 120 proof, which is why joining us for the first time this week, who was certainly not with us last week, we have a second guest, Moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the party. Yeah. uh, Last week may have gotten a little bit away from us. I would like to also apologize at the top. I know there were some sound errors last week. I think I've got them ironed out. I hope you can still understand everything, and uh, I hope it was worth understanding. <laughs> Likewise. So, what'd you think? I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this read. The cover immediately cracked me up because the depiction of one of the million-year-old... I don't know if they're both teens. Is Akuru a, a teen? I don't know. In, in my mind, he, I assumed he was a teenager as well. Like a bully. But I think he. it doesn't give what his age is. It's possible that he is a full-grown man. Mm-hmm. A full-grown caveman. He's very ugly. Super ugly. And yeah. in different ways. Like, mm-hmm. the kind of ugly he is on the cover is different than inside. He looks almost like... Do you remember on the Smurfs there was a character named Big Nose, I think it was? <laughs> no. No, I remember Gargamel as being bad. Yeah, maybe it was Big Mouth. I don't know. Hmm. But there was a giant cave-like character that looks kind of like, like a Kuru looks on the interior. Okay. Yeah, on the outside, he's ugly like, I don't know, like he might be an oasis kind of ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so that that cracked me up. He's got the chain of Teen Titans strung out mm-hmm. over the cliff or the gorge. It's just, yeah, he's just depicted in a way that is a yeah. funny, ugly. Speaking of strung out, I did notice they continue to mm-hmm. portray Wonder Girl as having tiny little pupils in her eyes, which mm-hmm. makes her look like something's going on. Yep, and really big eyes. They draw her with... Yeah, big eyes with tiny pupils. Mm -hmm. Surprised looking, almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was delightful in this issue, though. What a A A-plus personality. She's very plucky. Yes. I really liked Wonder Girl in this issue, too. She was great. The panel I talked about in the synopsis where she ties her hair to a tree Mm. to Mm -hmm. keep them from falling. Well, because her hands were slipping, so therefore, naturally, (laughs) it makes more sense to tie her hair around a tree. It Okay, first of all, that part doesn't make any sense because you have to let go of the tree to tie your hair around it, one would think. Correct. The other thing was just the physics of them falling. I I didn't really understand what was happening in there. It was very confusing. Really, most of the battles were were kind of confusing and not a lot of continuity in the way they were drawn. I find that the more Teen Titans I read, the more comfortable I am with things not really making a whole lot of sense. I'm sort of just letting it wash over (laughs) me and enjoying the ride. But yeah, there are a few moments where you'll sort of cock your head. Mostly for me, it was the, the action scenes are confusing. And it seems like a ton of stuff happens at once. And I'm not really sure what any of it is other than a couple of moments that you take away from it. Like, I'm not really entirely sure how they defeated a guru at the end. They punched him through a dam, I guess. I think what happened was he got sucked into... Because he accidentally created some holes in the dam trying to smash 
Garn, with, Garn and, and Aqualad with with his magical tomahawk hammer thing. Sure. And then the uh, force of the water rushing through the holes, he basically got stuck in one of the holes and drowned. Okay. That's my assumption of. But he how seemed that like he was still out. alive until he got sucked through the dam. Right. And then everybody's like, "Well, he's probably yeah. he won't be bothering us anymore." So I'm assuming he died by drowning. Yeah. While stuck in a dam hole of his own making. Hmm. As Shakespearean. Yes. The good stuff. I gotta say, just overall impression, I loved this issue. This is what... You remember in the first issue, I was talking about how... Or the first issue of the regular series, Mm -hmm. the last one we read. I was talking about how I didn't feel like it was teen-centric enough. Mm -hmm. They sure fucking took care of that. They did. You know, Smedleyville has just a real hometown, maybe, I don't know, middle America... Yeah, um, I, I think that makes sense. Small high school kids being dicks. Yeah. A lot of different ecosystems going on in Smedleyville, though. Mm. Like, there's lush greenery and cliffs and caves, and apparently there's a desert, and then most of it just seems like suburban middle America. That is a good point, and that, I think, gets back to the just relax and enjoy the story, <laughs> because it's not all going to add up. Yeah, well, I want to try to make it add up. I'm going to try to do some uh, story-wise math in this and and figure out how we can just, I'm saying that's one of my, uh, one of my goals with the podcast is to try to force it into some shape shape of sense. Sense out of it, yeah. Off the bat, I would also like to say, as much as I was delighted with this issue, were there picket signs? I was just going to say, I'm surprised that you enjoyed it so much because there was no picket signs. Yeah, yeah. I was giving a thumbs down. And it seemed like it would have been really easy for them to bring picket signs into this. There were so many teens running around. Teens love picket signs. Maybe go home and make one for a second. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a huge effort. No. I liked the fact that all of Peggy's friends were assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, they were really just cruel to her and just really mean and ostracizing of Garn. She had a very thick skin about it, though. She, what do you call that attitude? Like, she felt... Good? Sorry. A good attitude? She had a good attitude. <laughs> yeah. Towards jerks. You know, she said they're ignorant and they just don't understand what they're doing, and so I won't take it personally. I did think it was weird that she just went for Garn right away, though. Like, I mean, like, he's a caveman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, granted, she didn't know that he was a caveman at first, but he talked like a caveman. She thought he spoke... It was cute how he couldn't use articles in his speech. Sure. And she also liked that he was big and brawny, but didn't fight back when people were punching him and kicking him and knocking the books out of his hand. He was very gentle. I guess. They sure dressed like a dork. Yeah. Yeah, the high water look wasn't... Yeah, would have knocked the books right out of his hand. Yeah. And he wouldn't have done shit. Well... Penny or Peggy would have forgiven you. Ah, see? It's a win-win. Indeed. And then the Teen Titans would have come by in their helicopter, and uh, they they would have saved me from Akuru. Mm -hmm. So this was a a change, too, in that normally they are summoned by other means. In this case, they're kind of sitting around going through their, not fan mail per se, but requests for help. Which seemed like, uh, I need help with my teenage relationship type thing. They were getting a lot of those sort of letters and kind of laughing at them. But then out of the blue comes this emergency channel from maybe all high schools in this era were equipped with a... Oh, no, it was a ham radio. No, no, she had a ham radio because she was uh, stuck in her house. She borrowed her brother's ham radio to ask for... 
assistance. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was nice. This is the first time when they are hanging out in their clubhouse at the mm-hmm. start of it. We see that in their off hours, the Teen Titans do in fact like to hang out together. They have a secret clubhouse. We don't know where it is. No, they wouldn't tell. Could you. be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Could could be in Zokatan for all we know. Oh, which we also don't know where exactly. It is. But I love what is happening in the clubhouse when we are introduced to the teenagers. Wonder Girl is dancing the frug with mm-hmm. her magic lasso because none of the other boys will dance the frug with her. Yeah, Kid Flash is. He says he's doing his exercises, but it really does look like he's just like super high speed hacky sacking mm-hmm. while he sits back in a beanbag chair, which I didn't know they had hacky sacks back then. I, I thought of it as uh, juggling with his feet. Okay, maybe. But I feel like if you're juggling with your feet, you know what you're doing? You're playing hacky you're sack. Playing hacky sack. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of makes it sound more impressive than I remember it. I remember it being very impressive for for an activity that is as fundamentally lame as it is. Very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Well, it does have a move called a double rainbow. It does. Oh yeah. I you know so much more about hacky sacks than I do. I'm sorry. It's okay. There's something else you know more about it than I do. Uh, it's brought up. You have a degree in anthropology. Um, that is correct. Million years old. That's pretty old for a teenager, huh? Yeah. I was struggling to to reach back to the dates, but it doesn't seem like this is necessarily something that is founded in academics well i i beg to differ you may i mean i know there were some kind of human beings i think they found the earliest remains of humans that are definitely our ancestors like australopithecus yeah that one afarensis yeah it's like i think like two and a half to um, to up to three million years old i think i think 2.8 maybe but I feel like a million years ago, you would have difficulty passing as a modern human being. Yeah, Akuru is much more of, I think, what we are given to think of as uh, Neanderthals. Right. Right. Well, he's bigger, but he's also more aggressive. I thought Neanderthals were mostly thought to be more peaceful. Oh, he's more of a Cro-Mag? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Not the punk rock guys, but the... He might be... He, <laughs> yeah. He plays Any... a mean axe. Ah, boom, bam. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to break out the physical anthropology books. But my gut tells me this timeline doesn't check out. (laughs) It it doesn't it doesn't pass the the immediate science sniff test for me either. Yeah, and also because Garn, the the golden boy of the ancient world. Yes. If there were proto-humans a million years ago, they didn't look like that. No, they looked like Brendan Fraser and and Encino. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And Garn, you are no Brendan Fraser. There is a lot of competition in this category, but what is your favorite groovy teen lingo? There is a few examples I I jotted down, and rather than a kind of a cohesive expression, there were just a a few actually words that popped out at me. Okay. And, and one of them, which I actually have a frame of reference for, because I did hear my parents use this in a, in a disparaging way, talking about somebody else when I was, when I was very young, mm-hmm. is the word uh, drip. Oh, yeah. No, I like yeah. that one. Yeah. And, and it's when, I think it's uh, towards the end, after, after Garn has been vindicated and, and the kids basically realize, like, what a bunch of drips they had been. Nice. <laughs> and, like, apologize. And nice. That cracked me up. The other one, which isn't really slang but it's again getting back to one of your favorite things which is uh aqualad's uh, awkward speech patterns okay uh, one of the other kids asked him to do something you know faster efficiently and that has to do with swimming and he says yes i'll try and do it um like a bunny fish if such a thing exists 
<laughs> that's just that is adorable. It cracked me up and it was cute. Okay, so I've I've got a couple of instances that I really enjoyed the slang, and my my favorite I think is where Peggy is trying to teach Garn how to talk cool, and it's fairly early on. No, Garn, you're strictly from Squaresville if you don't put down the drags. Like you're cubed, but deaf. Now you try saying that, mm. and his response is. You sure that is English, Penny? Sound very funny to Garn, but I want to be regular teenager, so I try. Okay. <laughs> he sounds Russian, like a... <laughs> like, it's, like he's telling a Yakov Smirnoff joke, yeah. kind of. His version of caveman English, mm. it changes... It's it's so inconsistent. Like, mm. it's not like he's always speaking in the third person, because he often is speaking in the third person, but then mm. sometimes he says I, and then sometimes he'll leave out articles, and then sometimes... It'll just be regular English. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're trying to show a learning curve, but he's not mm -hmm. written consistently. Mm. Also, his dying dad looks like Geppetto. Uh, now that you mention it, I can I can see that. Okay. Yeah. It's very sad that like, he gets over his dad's death very, very quickly. I mean, I guess you'd only known the guy for like mm -hmm. a couple weeks. A, couple a month, years, maybe. It's all pretty fuzzy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how long that is, but it, it's the first time he takes Peggy to his home. His dad's just... We don't know what he's dying from either. He's just lying under a tree dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just, just kind of weird. Yeah, it was a bummer, and Garn didn't seem super worried about it. I, d I did have one other bit of uh, favorite slang. It's towards the end where, you know, Garn has come to, to fight for the teenagers to help them against a, a Kuru's right. wrath. And uh, for some reason has gotten rid of his square garments and replaced them with like a, a bear skin loincloth. Yeah. And <laughs> the other kids are super impressed by this. And they say something, I forget how the sentence began, but it was um, that he had, uh, oh yeah, shucked his square threads for a bear skin. Like, <laughs> I thought that was pretty rad. Yep. I also, is right before that, there, there's a nice scene where Akuru is picking up the school bus and one of the teens who is being a jerk and making fun of Garn is trying to flee out of the back of the bus and he yells, it's a bad scene. I'm splitting. Unjam that emergency hatch, daddy-o. I wrote that down also. <laughs> Just delightful. Because, you know, if I were to use any of this slang, I think I think split the bad scene. That's what I would use. Without, without If you were in a bad scene. Oh, well, only. Of yeah. course. Say daddy-o on the end? I couldn't. See, I would feel you, weird. You wouldn't saying, be able to no, pull off the daddy-o no, at the that's end? too... Daddy-o is, it's a very specific term that I'm sure people did actually use it, but to me, it's just, it's a Maynard G. Krebs thing. It's mm. what people do when they're making fun of beatniks is mm. like, I'm sure there was some truth in it at one point, but like, it's people snapping their fingers and wearing berets and right. yeah. and having having soul patches, and which I, I know at one which, point or another we chat. Yes, Twitch in the 90s, oh. which may or may not have. Anywho. Yeah. It was always a bad look. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember I remember watching the Dopey Gillis reruns, and I think a lot of like what I get for this era of slang comes from that. Well, and it, it makes sense. I think that was around when this was happening. I don't know when Dobie, Dobie Gillis was on, but it seems like it might have been, sure, early 60s, something like that. Yep. Mid-60s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was some good stuff. So uh, what, what was your favorite panel, do you think? This I actually had a, a, a difficult time narrowing down. Um, the cover, as I had mentioned, is you know it made me laugh out loud as soon as I saw it because this, this dude is just so ugly and it's so weird. Uh, but that's kind of cheating to take the cover. So this is the second issue in which we have seen a large piece of construction equipment hurled 
off something into something else. S- specifically bulldozers. A, a bulldozer. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that kind of spoke to me. And as Akuru is, is hurling this bulldozer off a cliff, he just has this super <laughs> ugly caveman posture. It, and... It's it's well done, too. You can't really see his face, but he doesn't seem particularly angry about it. It's just like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that thing, you know? And also, it does briefly before that describe him as pea-brained. Oh, yeah, that was another one of my favorite parts. It's the beginning of chapter three, the thing where they're talking about what a jerk he is and that... He has only havoc on his pea-sized brain. Mm. Yeah, I like it when the narrator gets into the action and, mm-hmm. and like is just like, oh, I don't like this guy I wrote either. Yeah, yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> I also dislike the things that the horrible person is doing that I am making him do. Mm-hmm. Boo. Boo. How about um, you? Did you have a favorite um, panel? I think my favorite panel is the one at the beginning where they are hanging out in the clubhouse and Wonder Girl is saying, uh, Hey, you three. Does a girl have to frug with her own magic lasso? Which seems very suggestive. And then, yeah, as, as we said, Kid Flash is hacky sacking. And Aqualad's being such a nerd. Is he the one he's that's just, like, I'm reading this awesome like, story. Yeah, who wants to dance when you can read a keen story like this one? Oh. I, uh, I don't know. There's something about the whole scene. And Robin's just sitting in the corner going over his work. Then... Stops to talk down to them a bit. This is what it's like hanging out with the Teen Titans. Wonder Girl's just fucking doing her thing. She's mm-hmm. dancing the frug. She wants everybody to party. Yeah. And I think Aqualad would like to dance the frug with her, but they don't have any frugs underwater, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know how to. And so he's like, no, I, I just don't want to. I like my story. Yeah. My story's good. Mm-hmm. And Kid Flash is just kind of oblivious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that checks out. I think that that's probably my favorite panel. It's a solid episode. I think it holds together really well. I also like that they have a helicopter, which is red and has Teen Titans emblazoned on the side. And Yeah, I don't know where they get their money from. Mm. I don't know if they have some kind of government funding or mm. something. Because, I mean, I know Batman's super rich. Maybe Robin's a trust fund kid. Um, and he's just like... Maybe that's why he's such a dick, because he feels like it's his project and he's just like in charge he's just he's entitled financing it. i mean he didn't grow up rich i mean until he was like nine he was you know a struggling carny well that would lend to it also you know he's overcompensating for his his humble oh, beginnings gotcha like in trading places where where eddie murphy once kicks everybody out of his fancy house that he just got exactly yeah just like he's eddie being, murphy he's being trading. a real billy valentine that's right Ah. Uh, yeah. Then later they, they look at Jamie Lee Curtis naked. I remember that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a, another thing in here, being a fan of the Aqualad, that I, I thought you might have noticed. It, he's uh, There's a scene in which they're, they're fighting Akuru, and Akuru has this magic boomerang, tomahawk, axe, smashing device. Right. That he's throwing around, and all the heroes have to, have to dodge it. And it's got really strong magic. Like... Stronger than uh, Wonder Girl's abilities. Strong, yeah, I know, which is... It's weird. I would think that caveman magic wouldn't be that advanced. Mm -hmm. But maybe the magic was stronger back then? Mm -hmm. That was like genocide magic. Oh, well, we don't know. That's what what, uh, Garn said. He says he destroyed a village. I don't think that's genocide. They're all people. One village of people was all they had. And he's the only remaining member. And uh, it was all this one Okuru guy and his magic acts that did it. That means in the Bible that, I guess... Kane committed genocide when he killed one guy. That's a quarter of the population. Well, that's awful. That's awful. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. And people I, people name their kids after that guy. 
What a terrible thing. I, I just, I, I had never really struck me that way When the population is small, <laughs> you don't have a lot to work with. Yeah, you I know? guess that's true. Okay, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what the deal is, actually. Like, so, okay, we probably evolved from Akuru <laughs> oh. and from Akuru's people. Mm. And that's, so maybe there were people who looked like Garn, mm. and then Akuru just killed them all. Mm-hmm. And so there's no survivors from that line. Mm-hmm. We are a guru. Like we're, we're a bunch of goddamn akurus. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, long, was... moderation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I was getting at was, as, as Aqualad is, is dodging Akuru's genocide axe, uh, he jumps and... Uh, and Can we maybe just back away from the term genocide? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that uh, he has C-strengthened legs. Yeah. Mm. Which is true, and that's something that comes up a lot in a lot of different comic books with both him and Aquaman. They've got super tough skin, mm-hmm. and they're very, very strong because they live at the bottom of the ocean where there's just a ton of sea pressure on them. Mm-hmm. So it's like the opposite of the, um, like in John Carter of Mars. Have you read any of those? Or Mm-mm. Okay, well, he goes to Mars, and then he's super strong there because there's higher gravity on earth because it's a bigger planet right so he can jump super far and he's like crazy mm. strong by their standards it's kind of the same thing if you grow up living at the bottom of the ocean okay sea strengthened yeah you got sea strengthened legs nice and purple eyes mm. and, and and you're gonna just pretend you know what all the slang is but yeah. you don't know how to dance the frug no 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 so, who is your favorite Teen Titan in this episode? This is tough. Uh, Wonder Girl, for the aforementioned plucky attitude, um, definitely gets a, a nod. But once again, for just his civic-minded problem-solving skills, Kid Flash... I, I thought you'd like that. Yeah, is going to go out there and... Uh, what did he say? I'm going to dig my own Panama Canal. He's going to dig his own Panama Canal to keep Smedleyville from flooding. Mm-hmm. And it also is going to irrigate the desert that surrounds yeah. Smedleyville, yeah. apparently. Broken Dam, call Kid Flash. Yeah. Anything goes wrong. You got a broken dam. You got too much dust. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. Kid Flash is on the case. Bam. Yeah. Um, I also had a, a tough time picking a favorite, but I think I'm going to go with Wonder Girl just because I, she's dancing the frug. She's tying her hair to a tree. Mm-hmm. She, she's got a lot of the best actions in this one. Mm-hmm. And she basically and just, saves the gang too at one point. By, oh, totally. You know, putting them all on her. Yeah, yeah, and, and and she saves Peggy by dragging the magic axe away for a couple minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice hustle, Wonder Girl. Yeah, way to go. I think we might ha- soon have more Titans to choose from for a favorite Teen Titan, because I don't know if you read the letter column at all. I didn't get to that. Okay. It's almost all letters that are requesting that Speedy join the Teen Titans. Speedy is Green Arrow's sidekick. Um, All right. And it is weird that he hasn't been in any of them, because he's Mm. established sidekick. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to invent him like they did Wonder Girl. He's been kicking around the DC universe. And there are a couple Mm. other teen heroes that are around Mm. at this point. Pharaoh Lad? Okay, no, he's not around at this point. He lives in the future. Ah. He's uh, he's from the year 3065. Ah. Um, but no, good, good job. That was remember all I could remember. Lad. You know who else there was? Matter Eater Lad. Oh, I don't. You know what him he could do? He oh. could eat matter. He could just eat anything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. And that's a good power. But no, that night that was a nice pull, Corey. Thank it you. It was very close. But the fact that 
not that they necessarily got a ton of letters for Speedy, because I don't know if they did, but the fact that they printed that many letters saying mm. that Speedy should join leads me to believe that we might be seeing Speedy pretty soon. Did he have a like a red uniform? Yes, he had a red uniform with a yellow hat. Mm. Very fetching. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a good look. Great disguise. And it's also it does. I don't think there, it's a crossover with the Teen Titans issue, but he is only a few years from becoming a heroin addict. Oh yeah. Speedy gets in the pages of Green Lantern, Green Arrow. It they came from the wrong nicknames. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's ironic. <laughs> yeah. You got any more thoughts on what's going on in here? Or? Uh, no, not really. Just in closing, you know, delightfully strange and weird with you know, lots of little incongruities that I don't really care about because it's a it's a good story and at the end of the day, the the teens. Do what needs to be done. and They, they get the job they done. They get the job done. I appreciate it. I'm a little bit bummed out. I, I really enjoyed it, but I am a little bit bummed out to think that we're all descended from a Kuru. And there's no picket signs. And there's no picket signs in it, yes. That, that is also problematic for me. Few people have asked questions about what the uh, closing music is. It's a great song. It's from a band called Sticks Downy. And it is I Am Going to Destroy You. And it's great. It's the main guy, Walkin' Fuss. He's good. He does a lot of different remixes uh, that are often 80s and 70s wrestling themed. So if you have any interest in 80s or 70s pro wrestling or just good music, you should absolutely check out Walkin' Fuss. And you should also buy the album that the outro music is on, which is called When the Belt Changes Hands by Sticks Downey. Agreed. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you, thank you so much for your support, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, if you could leave us a review at iTunes, that would help people to find it, and I uh, would appreciate it. If, if you like it. Or, you know, even if you don't, just do it for me. Yeah, say nice stuff. Yeah, we're nice people. We deserve nice things. And drop us a line if you like at ttwasteland at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We've heard from a couple of you, and thank you for the kind words, everyone, we have heard from. Ah, we will be back next time with... Issue number three of Teen Titans. I'm going to give you a little spoiler. The bad guy's name is Ding Dong. No. Yep.